Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Tackhead, you know, did its thing and uh, you had all those other projects. How did you eventually cross paths become part of Living Color? The backstory of that is starts with Duke Booty, the artist that wrote the message. Um, I was producing some songs for his solo record, uh, Booty solo record, and one song that that I that uh, that Duke and I had wrote was a song called "Same Day Service," and it had a it was it, it had a real tricky it was like a real twisted kind of like intro. And, um, and then it went to this groove. So anyway, we did the song, and then Fletcher has his eye on the, what was going on in, in you know, the downtown New York scene, the knitting factory, and all, all these other, what was going on. So he was like, you know what, Doug, you heard of Vernon Reed? Yeah, I heard of Vernon. And I remember seeing Vernon briefly at, at a, at a um, we'd bump paths in New York City and you know, say hi. But uh, he was like, yeah, man, let's get Vernon on this song to play a solo. It's cool. So Vernon came in and played a solo, and it was great. Nailed it. So then fast forward, you know, we became friends. And then Vernon would do these events in New York City where he would be, he put together a group of different musicians to perform at some, at some events. And, and, um, and so he, he asked me if I wanted to play one of his events that he's doing, a bunch of musicians on. I said, yeah, sure. So I did that. And, um, and then Vernon would, you know, he, then he met, he meets Keith and Skip and I invited him to come over to our, to, to Keith had a place on 14th street that we all stayed. There it was real, you know, all of us were kind of living there and, um, and Vernon would come by and hang out with us. Right. Cause he was, I guess he was working at the village voice that was right not too far from there. He's a writer and doing certain things, but so he would come and sit around, hang out with us and chat. And we had, you know, not, and we had, um, now it's 1984 and we got a, you know, got a loft and we're practicing and everything, but that was kind of like the hang. So you come there, hang out, start talking certain things, you know, chopping it up. And then um, we went to London and come, came back and Tackhead, we played him some of the Tackhead stuff. And Vernon loved it. He was like, man, this is crazy. Actually, it was Fats Comet when he heard Stormy Weather, because it was like, whoa, what's going on? So then Vernon became a huge fan, and then he just loved the band. So whenever we would, so we'd come and do a gig in New York City, and Vernon was like, hey, Doug, man, I love to play. Can I sit in? I like to play. You know, so Vernon would come and sit in. So anyway, 
fast forward that we would I remember when Vernon was thinking about putting Living Color together, because that must have been like 1984, if I remember right, 83, 84. Uh, and, and, you know, and he was, it was, you know, he put together Vernon Reed's Living Color, if I remember right at first. And it was with uh, Jerry Allen on keyboards, if I'm right. Uh, and um, uh, maybe even DK Dyson was one of the vocalists uh, and JT Lewis and, Jerome Harris, it was a different, different combination. I remember, you know, checking them out. So anyway, here we are going back and forth to L London, back to, to New York. And so fast forward. Um, I get in a, a, uh, in a, to, to audition for Mick Jagger's solo band. And Vernon is at the same audition as well. So I ended up getting the gig and... Um, and then that first week, Mick comes up to me and he's like, hey, Doug, you heard about, you know, Vernon's got a band living color. I've been hearing good things about him. See, have, have you heard? I said, yeah, man. Matter of fact, we're playing CD TVs. Why don't you go check him out that night? See, why don't you and Jeff go check him out? So he went to go see him, came back the next day, and Mick was like, Doug, I love the band. What do you think, man? I'd like to do something with him. I'm like, man, you're freaking Mick Jack. You busted all these blues, man. <laughs> Take him, do something. So he ended up taking me in the studio and um, doing a few, some of the demos. So that's how, so I was kind of indirectly helpful at, at co-signing, encouraging Mick to do, you know, take my friends in the studio. Now, um, so then backing it up a little bit, before I met Mick, I was producing a band called the Booyah Tribe, right that a few months earlier. And, um, on that record, it was a bunch of artists, but we managed to get, um, Vernon was in town, managed to get Vernon to play guitar and that, managed to get Corey to come in and sing. They were and, Samoan, right? The Booyah tribe? Yeah, the Samoans. Samoans, yeah. Yeah, so got them to, you know, so I was it, it, putting these pieces together is how it all came to be, just to give you a little backstory. Met Will, and um, I was trying to get him on the record, it didn't happen. So anyway, long story short, um, I finally met everybody, got, you know, hanging out with them and stuff, because now they're on the second record. Now I get the gig with Mick. Now I'm, now Mick is now taking, you know, um, you know, you know, well, no, it's a little, I'm, I'm getting out of sequence. Get back, back to, I'm sorry, you know, I'm getting out of sequence. That happened after. I, after I did the, when I did the audition for Mick, I got the gig, and then Living Color does the record, and then that they do that. And then fast forward, I see them again during the Times Up tour, producing the Booyah Tribe and get Corey on it and Vernon on it that summer of, I think it was like 90, uh, 91, 91. So then I'm in London, I get a call from Will. Will is like, hey man, you know, a couple of months later after I saw them in LA, doing a bass change, doing an audition, you mind coming in the audition? A matter of fact, Doug, I'm going to be doing a drum clinic in London. I'll come and see you. We can have a chat. So he came, and I went down to go see him. So I ended up long, long, so I ended up going to New York, flying in. I only had about maybe a few days because I was rec I was recording with I think Andy Lennox or somebody else. So I only had a small gap to to fly into New to New York and fly back. Um, so I learned a bunch of songs real quick and went in, and. Um, I always try to learn the hardest song first, the hardest stuff first. So I, I, I 
when I did the audition, they asked me, what song do you want to do? I said, time's up. And everybody got quiet. And they were like, oh, I said, what, did I say something wrong? And they said, no, man. <laughs> Nobody else really wanted to do that song and the other bass players. I'm like, oh, it's a great song. It sounds like a ballad to me. Let's do it. So we ended up playing it, you know. And so they, long story short, they had a, they had a show in, in um, Brazil that, they, that was still in the books. They had to do that. Didn't get didn't get the didn't get was wasn't asked to join the band. It was more like we have a gig, you know, and um, we'll you know blah blah blah. I'm like no problem. I'll do the gig. So they ended up asking me to to do the gig with them in Brazil. Came back to do some rehearsals. After the first gig that I did with them, they asked me to join the band. So that's kind of like the sequence, you know. But it started with Vernon way back with Duke Booty. Then a sequence of events. And also Tackhead and Corey and Bernard Fowler, we did a record. We did a song, Tell Me Something Good, that took place. So I started working with Corey kind of like first, even with Tackhead. So there was this alliance kind of like, you know, this, you know, um, Keith did remixes on the first Vivid record. There was a circle that we were kind of connected to um, uh, in, in the New York scene that um, kind of made things happen. So I just, it just, you know, Mick was, Mick was influential. It was interesting because when I got the call from Will, I was in the studio with the Stones at that time. I was just visiting them, and I got the call from Will at that time. So it was just all these things kind of like, you know, here I am in the studio with Mick. Meanwhile, two years earlier, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the studio with Mick in the solo record, and he's asking about Living Color. Now, you know, it's just funny how time uh, flies. But it was a, it's kind of like Vernon, um, Tackhead, you know, connect the dots. doing stuff with them first, you know, then I'm Skip and I are producing the Booyah Tribe. Then we get guys from the Sugar uh, Living Color involved. Next thing you know, I'm, you know, ask Will calls me up and I ask, ask if I want to audition. The next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the band, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, but, uh, it's, it's it's interesting, you know, when you meet people, you never know what's where things are going to go. And so what was it? 1984 is when I got kind of really got going with Vernon to 1990, 91, for six years, six, you know, seven years, you know, for that transition to happen. Wow. Thanks for connecting those dots for us. That was sorry. I know I'm, I'm long winded, but really interesting to hear how it ties together. Oh, where the, you know, things just don't appear. It's like somebody helped open the door. I'm not the architect. You know, a lot of times I'm the recipient of the door opening up. Yeah. And so I, it's important to me to be able to see the different key things, components that took place for that opening to happen. Thank you for that, uh, Doug. When, when that opening did happen, though, and it, and it has gone on now for quite a while, how, what would you say, what was the chemistry um, between you and the, and the other guys in Living Color? What can you tell us about, you know, what you guys are like a unit? Living Color is, very, is, 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 you know, we're all like one family right now. It's the same. It's like you get first. You got to get to know everybody. Music is one thing, but music is, is, is you play when you get to know everybody. I've known Vernon longer than Will and I got real tight, and Corey as well. So, I and you know when I got in the band, I inherited certain things, you know, and that was important for me to be able to um, perform 
what Muzzy did first and foremost. That was important to honor the the music, um, and be respectful to the music, but also bring, uh, uh, you know. And then you know, um, and then when Stain came, it gave me the capability of being able to enhance to for us as myself being in living color now to ex to uh, open up another frequency in a sense, another chapter, but. Living Colors just is one is is a band that's just like um, it's a very unique band. You know, everybody's you know always on top of the game, and it's like I've been in Living Color now. It's damn it, what thirty? Years. It feels like thirty years. It was, it was almost thirty years. So now it's like it's like we've been together and made some great records, great recordings. And even as I did these records with Living Color, I was able to incorporate Gip or Adrian and my Tapkit crew and the friends that I knew, a Bernard Fowler to come in and be a part of some of the recordings that we did. So it's still, it's like one big family in a sense. You know, it's an extent, it became an, ex Living Color became an extended family from the people that, I'm, that I've known, all, you know, starting from Skip. And, and, the and I think what I was able to do was uh, being an el being older than the other guys and having a, having a sense of uh, studio experience and bringing that to the table of living color was was helpful, you know and 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 um, you know I guess you could say to a certain degree you know um, there's also the, so there's a now we have, we 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 have a body of work that we've done living color hasn't done that many records it's, I mean well they've they've just done in my opinion the, the right records at the right time. So, um, and all are unique, all are different. But the thing I like about it is how we've been able to, um, how we've been able to survive. And, you know, we, there was a breakup that took place with the, with, when I was uh, from 1995 to 1999. And in getting back together, it's always challenging when, you, when, you're, when there's a breakup, but the fact that we were able to get back together is because the, the music is more powerful than the individual a lot of times. And you have to find a way again, how to get out of your, out of your way when you have, when you're doing things. And Living Colors was very successful at, you know, his first two records. So it's like the, the, the continuation of a band is always, uh, up to the individuals that are in the band. You know what I mean? So you it only stops if you, decide to you know be the one to get in the way of something and we found a way uh, over years to just you know look here we are we're, we're at this stage in our lives let's have fun let's make music when we play live it's just it's a it, our live experiences are in our um are just fantastic to me personally you know i think the band sounds um am amazing now i, I love i love that ardmore show you guys uh, broadcast Really, really good. Yeah, it's it's you know, and that's just and you know, it's like I ha I hadn't seen the guys since March. The first time I laid eyes on the guys was at the Ardmore. So we played on the cruise ship, and then what is it? Uh, seven months later, eight months later, here we are at the Ardmore. We just rolled up, no rehearsal. We just played, and that is to me, you know, take you know, maybe there's something here or there might have been right or wrong. It doesn't matter. Just play, but. I thought it was it was it was the, the fact that we're still alive during the pandemic and able to play. It was 
It's a sign of a true champagne. I, and I looked at it and I said, you know, it's, let me call this an, it's a great band. You know, everybody is just so engaged and, and it's a lot of fun to play that music. And I'm just thankful that I, you know, you know, they say things happen, you, you know, when I got that call, I was offered a, from Will, I got, a, I got a call from Bruce Springsteen's people and Seal at the same time. But Will called me first, you know, and um, that was obviously a better situation for me because I would, if I was to be a member of that band, I would hopefully be, you know, an equal member and it played out like that. So, I, you know, you never, in life, you never know where things are going to end up. Again, it starts with that Duke Booty <laughs> in a session with Vernon Reed and then fast forward all the way down the line to you know, all the things that took place with Mick and I'm in Mick's solo band and then I'm playing with Living Color and it's, it's all these things that are kind of like- Linked together, know, yeah. Yeah, and it, but you know, when it all comes, when it all play, then I get off the chance to play with the Stones. So a lot of things were like very challenged. Uh, you know, um, how can I say, let me choose my words right. Uh, right. In life, you have to you just do what's right. You know, do the right thing in life for you. You know, for yourself and for your family and for your band. And um, I, when I got in the band, I was. It was like, you know, it was. I'm. I'm a very committed person to whenever I get with whoever I'm working with. I'm. I, I, I go all in. And I did. And and I and I and I did that. And I've done that with Living Color and with Tackett and all the bands. So. And and that being said, it's kind of like. I look at that Tackhead orbit and Living Color orbit is very, very connected, you know, as right. in a sense, you know, Adrian did remixes again and and Skip. So it's a, it's kind of like it's this expanded universe that I'm personally a part of. And I'm thankful that, uh, you know, that um, I, I have enough, uh, 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 I have enough, my friends trust me enough to be able to, at least Living Color, to be able to suggest certain people to come in and maybe help out. And those, and that's been a, and also to listen to what Vernon has to say, Corey or Will. You know, it's it's what you got to do, man. And when you're in a band, you gotta, you have to figure out how to listen, but also how to. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta take it. You gotta go, man. This is this is tough, but you know, um, what am I? What can I do to make to make it to to, to help um, make things work? There's never really a, there's never, you know, there's, there's a lot of problems, but you, you just got to figure out the solution a lot of times. And with all bands that you've, that have been around for a while, like Living Color for me, it's been 30 years of family and friendship. And you know what? But I'm so thankful I'm in the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the band and I love being in the band and I love the, I love the guys. And we've, and um, for me, my legacy lies in that again lies in that my dna is in living color as it is with all, a lot of other bands tackhead and everything else but i've i've had a more shelf life and sustained movement with living color than any of the other bands that i've been with over time from playing live and recording it's been living color you well, know when you talk about the dna um what would you say are a couple of elements that are signature to your style and sound because you know you've been so versatile and, and chameleon-like and going through different types of uh, styles but what is a hallmark of your style would you say in your sound i think for me it's not about what i can do it's what i need to do 
for the song and for the for the moment and how to visualize when you're doing a product or a project or a record how everything connects how to make the connection and it comes to making records and, and you know being around Sylvia Robinson and watching really experienced people you know just watching people so as a basis I don't I, I, I think of myself, I'm the last person that when I'm, when I'm writing a song or doing some stuff, the last thing I'm really thinking about is my, by myself. I'm more or less thinking about what can I do to make Will sound better or Keith sound better or Bernard singing sound better or Skip. You know, I'm thinking about the, what is my placement? How do I glue these things together? You know, and, and that, and, and I love that. So, there's where the chameleon comes in. There's where the different styles of frequencies come in at. Because it's, it's, I don't have this, I think, this consistent layer that, uh, you know, that, that, um, that threads everything. I'm, you know, I, there's many different styles that I like, but I'm a master of none. There's many different sounds that I like, but I'm still exploring. I'm a, I'm, I'm a student. I'm a student of the world. You know, I'm always, I'm always trying to learn. But what I did learn is how to listen. And how to know how to take a back seat and look at it and 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 watch wait for those those sonic raindrops to start falling and figuring out where to walk and and, and pl put movement between those how to produce a song how to keep people motivated in you know in making as things are happening up don't let things hit a hit a you know get jammed up how to find a way how to keep movement happening and that's what us bass players tend to do. We're the ones that when you're at a rehearsal, it's like, you know, guitar players going crazy and the lead singer might be doing this. And we get the phone call after the rehearsal. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, yo, man, what was up with the drummer? You were like Switzerland, you know what I mean? We're like, we're that, we're that rooted member of the band because we're not leaping around trying to, you know, we're not, you know, look, you're always second or third place in the lead singer in any band. I don't care who the hell you are. You know what I mean? It's kind of like see, understanding your places for a certain point is key, but also understanding the responsibility of making the song and knowing what you can do and what you, and if, even though you can do it, do you need to do it? And that's how I make records. So with Living Color, it's a different kind of vibe because I'm learning now, I'm like, okay. I gotta do this to be able to make the notes. If there's a lot of notes, I can, here's how I can make it not sound like there's a lot of notes going on if I play this pattern, or if I play it with this sound and this spacing, as well as what's going on with Will. I try to glue things together, but still have that the, the pulse going. You know what I mean? Still have a, a tone, a voice, and, and, and a texture and a feel and and that's what i look for i look for the kind of like I, I i look for like the the space and the purpose of doing something because i because again because i can do it do i need to do it you know what i mean do i do i do i need to slap and do this or do that or do maybe i don't need to play with my fingers here what maybe i don't need to play anything maybe it needs to be a break and now is the time for an acoustic guitar drop or a drum beat so my place, my playing isn't about just playing bass. It's about playing the music and playing the song 
first or what the what, the, what you know or, or keeping things in motion until the song until these clouds or this these 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 you know, this dust starts to form and I, that's that's why I get a thrill out of how do you make it you know it's like a planner how do you get the dust in the clouds to form and when it forms how do I be the be a, be a base for that form to expand you know and and to be able to 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 play uh to to to, to dance off of so um the sum greater than the parts type of thing huh the sum greater than the parts type of philosophy the sum greater than the parts and it's it's just you know and that comes from playing um just um playing different styles and not necessarily being um uh you know, like okay, well, I'm, I'm, a, you know, being pigeonholed or labeled a certain, certain kind of basis, you know, because, my, as I see, you know, the songs that we all did, Skip, Keith, and I, and everybody, it speaks for itself. You know, the diversity of, of, um, the different artists is how you learn. You know, if you, you know, so working with Trevor Horn, I listen. <laughs> working with this producer, I, you, know, I listen. You know, and working with Carly Simon, play this kind of. Working with, uh, you know, Mick, I, I need to play that kind. But then again, I, you know, if I'm asked to play something different, um, you know, well, let's find that. Let's find a way to to make to to get to that different thing. And you keep people engaged. You know what I mean? It's like it's conversation, it's conversation. Yeah. So I play that role. I play this. You know, try to just let's you know before I play a note. Well, let's talk about what's going on. What do you what do you, what's this, what do you, what are you feeling? How's how, okay? Before I start playing anything, what, what how did the song start? Why are you playing that riff? Let me hear it again. What made you play? It? Why do you have that sound? I like to talk about things a little bit to get an idea of the frequency. That yeah, need to play like part of the glue that holds it all together. Yeah, you know, we have to as bass players. You got to you have to understand the fundamental. But also now in different styles of music that's happening now, I mean, some styles, there is no bass. It's an 808 tone, you know? It's just, you know, you hear raggatone, it's like, there's no bass. It's, it's 808 tuned up and down. And, you know, then other songs, it's like, then as a bass player, you hear, man, if you hear, there's so, so many bass players, it says many slapping bass players now, but you don't hear, you're not gonna really hear that on songs a lot. It's more, you know, uh, unless everybody's doing their own solo stuff. So. There's things that you do for display, but not necessarily for a lot of different styles of music. You do that for your, for your own giant steps, in a sense, for your own technical ability to be able to understand the different styles that's going on. Jumping back to um, the P-Funk thing that we talked about a while ago, I want to mention before we wrap this up, um, moving forward, you worked with guys like Bernie Worrell, and you were on George's record, and I noticed more recently you've uh, worked with Garrett Scheider. Can yep. you speak to some of that a little bit? Yeah, Gar uh, Garrett. He's 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 a. Uh, I knew his dad, you know, quite well. Uh, you know, working with working with Gary was again going back to you know just you know legend, you know. And he looked so much like, and sounds so much like his father. It's, it's just mind-boggling. So I call him my nephew. But Garrett, you know, um, 
You know, I've known Garrett. We we've touched base, but uh, um, what was it? Uh, hang on once. Anyway, I was I was introduced. To, uh, it was asked to do a, a recording with him. Um, Petra, Petra, yeah, that's, uh, um, a photographer friend. I uh, can't remember her last name. I wouldn't want to say because I'll probably get it wrong. Sorry, Petra, but she was like, "Hey, Garrett, is looking for you know, wants to know if you do a record." Doing some, be on, on one of his recordings. I said, sure. So that's how it started. And he sent me a couple of songs. And then, um, and I started, you know, playing, you know, I just, uh, you know, I had fun playing on him. And next thing you know, I'm like, you know, co writer on this stuff. And uh, that's kind of how, how it unfolded. You know, Garrett is such a cool, calm, sweet gentleman. And um, I love it. You know, he's, he's got his, he's got, that's, that's my P Funk lunch. You know, I don't get a chance to play a, a, a lot of P-Funk like, like I used to back in the day. But Garrett is is the, you know, he's kind of like the heir to the throne in a sense, you know. And um, watching what he's done, what he does on stage and listening to his songwriting, I like it. I like it a lot. So we just did a song recently called Pandemic. We did it, uh, which, which, prop, which just came out. And then... Um, on his previous record, I think I did maybe two or three songs with him there. And um, I look forward to doing some more stuff with him. He is the one, he's carrying the torch. Garrett's the one that's carrying that, that P-Funk torch. And boy, does he, look, does he look and sound like his dad. You know, he's got all the, all the, all the mannerisms and trimmings. <laughs> and he's, but he's a beautiful soul. So I look forward to um, doing more stuff. And y'all, good people, check him out. Garrett Scheider, pan, Pandemic. Taking me away from my baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope that doesn't go on too much longer. Uh, we'll see. Um, but you collaborated with Bernie. What was that like? Bernie, oh, it's always great. You know, we've had a few collaborations. Really, the first real collaboration with Bernie started with Will Calhoun. And Will had a, one band called Ozzy. And... Um, and it was Bobby Watson on saxophone and myself on bass and Bernie Warrell. And then TM played bass in that it, with that as well. So it was just kind of like, you know, swapping musical chairs. Another one of my heroes, TM Stevens, one of my all-time heroes, bass heroes, one of the best bass players and all, all human being on this planet forever. Learned a lot from him. Um, so with that four-piece quartet, uh, that was when got a chance to really start doing some gigs in New York City with Bernie, and uh, went over to London, did some shows over there. Went into the studio with Adrian, and got the quartet to be a part of my first solo record. Uh, sent him uh, trippy notes for bass. I, so I was going to I was going to show this to you uh, actually. Can you see it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the signed the signed copy right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's classic because I probably made that one myself. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, so anyway, that was the beginning of it. Thanks to Will, Will connected those dots, right? So from there, we ended up, Will ended up getting hooked up with Most Def, and he put together a, a band with uh, Dr. No from Bad Brains, Bernie, and, and Will and I. And that was, that was a, you know, so there, there we are, part two. And then fast forward from that, New Orleans, uh, I started, I did some, I did an um, a, a instructional DVD with John McCarthy from Rock House. 
And then Bernie also did a, a, a keyboard instructional DVD. I think it came out, I'm not sure. And also Leo Nocentelli did. So it was, it was that kind of like connection through John McCarthy that brought Leo and Bernie together, I believe. And then, and then we're, now we're in New Orleans doing some stuff for Leo during Jazz Fest, like about a year before Katrina. Um, yeah, something like that. Um, and there's that frequency of what was going on. So, so and, and then throughout time, Bernie did a, um, a, there was a documentary on Bernie that came out and Will and I, you know, toured with, with, did some shows with Bernie to support that. So, and Bernie, and then the Herb Albert record that Will and I did, another Will Calhoun, it's really, it was, it was really the Will Calhoun, this is the Will Calhoun connection. Um, doing his first solo record, uh, well, Aza, and then, then the Herb Albert, and um, Most Deaf, you know? Um, and then we started to work with Bernie on, on his own solo stuff. So, you know, the man's just, God bless him, Bernie was just, you get, you know, and for me, it, I can explain it. I'm like 19, I'm that kid listening to Bernie Worrell at, in 1970 to being on stage with Bernie Worrell, but also watching Bernie while Sugar Hill was opening up for Parliament Funkadelic for two months straight on the Knee Deep tour. So it was like, again, it's like, it's interesting how things happen. A chapter opens, chapter, chapter. Start off as a little kid, like you said earlier, then you get to meet somebody that knows somebody. Then next thing you know, you're on stage with them. And Bernie was always humble. He was from, you know, from when we first, when I first met Bernie, you know, I, you know, was get to hang out with him, was on the P-Funk tour. But I'd seen Bernie perform many, many times, many, Randall's Island playing in the early 70s uh, at the Sugar Shack in Boston. That when they were debuting Chocolate City, six months before it came out and, and, and at a small club. I was a, I'm a huge, huge Funkadelic fan, huge. So being Bernie, being able to perform with Bernie Worrell and, jo and working with George and now Garrett is kind of, there's that other family was, was like, wow. But Bernie's the one out of the whole crew that I worked with the most out of the P-Funk crew. So God bless him, he's still here. The, st the stories that we that that I've that I've learned, uh, the stories he's told, his frequencies. He was he's such a beautiful person. <laughs> I can see Bernie right now smiling, wiggling his teeth out of his mouth, and 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 East uh, <laughs> Duty, and just making me smile every time. And the last time I saw Bernie at his, it was you know, Nona Hendrix gave a celebration for him a couple of months before he died, and I'll never forget this. And and and, and you know Bernie's, you know he's. He died two months later and he passes me and his room is crowded and Judy's trying to protect him. But Bernie stopped and he just looked at me and he just shook his mouth and made his teeth wiggle in his mouth because he knew I loved it. I would always start laughing. It was like, he just he's, Doug, I want you to remember me always like this. What an amazing musician. That's just, uh, uh, um, what I learned from him even before I met him, just trying to imitate those records. But his frequency, you, you know, it's just, it's, Bernie's an alien. He's just an alien, a gift from the gods.
Yeah, I think that documentary you mentioned was Stranger in This World or something like that. Or, yeah, and that's he's definitely one of a kind. Yeah, man, God, he's still here with us. Love you, Bernie. I gotta uh, say, you know, while we're talking about the Living Color stuff, I just want to add in there that the last record, uh, Shade, I thought was great and uh, really impressed with that. And you were saying how they're all different. That one to me was a little bluesier maybe than the other ones, and it worked. You know, and that was inspired. Again, it's the inspiration. The, how that happened, I'll leave you with this. We were invited to play for Robert Johnson's 100th birthday celebration a show that was taking place at the Apollo. And um, Steve Jordan was the MD there and a bunch of bands. So we were, um, the band's all over the place at that time. I had just flown in from London. Corey's on the road someplace else. He's out with Galactic, I think. No, he might, or he was doing um, whatever. He might've been doing um, Jesus Christ Superstar or whatever, but he, he flew in. Uh, didn't have a chance to rehearse. So we're getting together on the phone saying, what song do we want to do? So um, we were like, okay, so we, so we decided on, on a Robert Johnson song. So we said, okay. So he said, Preaching Blues. I'm not, I can't even remember who brought that up. Might have been Will. I'm not, I'm not sure. We just kind of like, it kind of swirled around. So we were like, cool. So, um, so then it was, I, uh, we're, no time to rehearse. So, um, we start, um, Diane and my wife and I, we started just trying downloading and Googling different versions of preaching blues, right? Just to have it, because we're gonna, we're walking in cold to the Apollo, no rehearsal to do a song at the Apollo, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, so we get to, we go, we go upstairs, the band's rehearsing, uh, other artists are rehearsing, and Corey shows up and he gets to, he gets to just in the nick of time. So I have about four different versions of preaching blues that from different recordings, different artists, uh, Almond Brothers, uh, Dwayne, all, this one, that. So we're listening to them just to get like a feel. So Corey goes, let's take that kind of vibe with that, with that. All right, let's do it. So we just kind of like just said, okay, that tempo, this vibe, whatever. So we went, no rehearsal. So we went downstairs and rehearsed the song. And every, you know, the, the, all the other artists are there and it was like magic. So and we just hit it and it was like, we're at the, it was just like <laughs> this spirit hooked us up. It's kind of kidnapped us. Okay, that was, we were like, what happened? Then we did the show that night, played it and got a standing ovation at the Apollo. And then after the show, we were like, what just happened? Again, these are things that happen with bands, you know what I mean? You're in that cult, you're in that you know, when, what are we going to do? We got to make another record, blah, 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 this, that. Still hesitant. So it was that performance of us at the Apollo that got us thinking, hmm, maybe, and Vernon started putting his thinking cap on, why don't we start to see what we can do to do our interpretation of different songs that's all connected to blues, whether it's a Marvin Gaye, what's going on, or Biggie Smalls, the it's the form, whether it's the subject matter, okay, what's 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 similar with a lot of blues artists, a lot of them got killed, a lot, a lot of artists, not a lot, but some were, were, you know, there was murders, and this one got shot, and that one, you know, so we tried to find a way to make a connection between the lyrics 
the styles, the subject matter, the community. So it was it was interesting to have a preaching blues with the Biggie Smalls who shot you with a Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Both Biggie and Marvin got both Biggie and Marvin both got shot. You know what I mean? And also the subject matter as poets and what they write is very, very it, it, deep to us. So, and that's, and that's what we did. We just kind of like, you know, started to figure out the, the thread between the blues, the form, the songs, the subject matter, the times, and see if we can make that something. What's our, how do we, how do we voice that? Without wave, you know, without waving a flag, you know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, somebody you, you mentioned to somebody doing a blues record, and immediately maybe they start thinking about what they, uh, you know, like a uh, certain forms of blues, and it's not that we didn't want to do that. It's like because we did. I mean, preaching blues is a it, the, our version is a pretty hard version of preaching blues, but it, how? But it's you know, it's, it's a living color version. A lot of other versions are crazy uh, beautiful in the heart as well so we just wanted to put uh, we just wanted to play the songs and not overthink it but then come up with something that can a body a, a songs that could all make sense and i work we all worked very hard on that that album I, I put a lot of time into that record as well i really um you know my friend andre betts who i, I work with madonna he produced those songs and the band did and you know it took us a while to get the conversation to take place between for us to come up with the songs and for those songs to all speak as a as a as a storyline as as something you can a, a sonic audio uh, book an autobiography of different artists and also uh living color we're part of that landscape as well so i'm really proud of that record i think shade is a, is a great record yeah i think um I mean, that's one of my favorite versions, really, of Inner City Blues, as a matter of fact. So, but that was yeah. the last song we did on the you guys record. Did it right. Yeah. So that's how it all came together. Yeah, congratulations on that, and I hope it doesn't take that many years for the next Living Color project. But wow, well, we're thinking it. We're trying to figure that out right now, and hopefully that spark will come. With the the Ardmore gig was a great gig. Let's see what the future. Let's see if we could stay healthy. And uh, you know we could find a way to get together, and uh, in the meantime, we we'll, we're going to get something done. Long as we can, you know, stay healthy and, and stay alive. Outstanding. How can everyone keep up with you, Doug? What what do you recommend? Um. Well, you know, I'm I'm found in the familiar places. You know, uh, you can you could check out. Um, you know, like I'm. You know. My wife has me on Twitter and on Instagram. I don't, I'm not really like blasting stuff a lot of times. I just try to do things at the right time that are saying the right things. But outside of that, I can give you my bank account number. You guys can, you know, I could, I'm trying to, no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, but, um, uh, um, you know, hopefully you can find me on, you know, um, you know, you could reach out, you know, there's, uh, there's, I have, a, I have a few different websites that are up. You'll find me. Just, dug, just Google me and see where I pop up at. But mainly, you can find me, you know, on the recordings. Go check out some of the great, some of the great artists that I've been fortunate enough to work with, and hopefully, I did them some justice. You gonna do more solo records too? Funny you should say that. Yeah, I'm actually working on some stuff right now. Let's see what happens. But um, I'm looking forward to, you know, Taghead. We have stuff on the horizon. 
Living Color. Glad we're getting together with my Sugar Hill guys. And, you know, we're doing, you know, it's been, a, it's a lot of good things, you know, that are on the horizon. Hopefully we can, we'll weather the storm. Keith and I are working a lot. We're all, you know, we're working on, you know, it's Skip, we're still working on a lot of different things and you'll be hearing some, hopefully you'll be hearing some stuff in the very near future. Outstanding. Doug, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for sharing so much and for all the great music you've given to all of us through the years. Much appreciated. Well, thank you as a listener and all good people out there. Make sure you support the next generation. There's a lot of good, young, upcoming artists that are all over this globe. Please support them. They need your support more now than ever. So, um, you know, make sure if you can, if you can help, you know, support their, their websites, it makes, that'll make me happy. Okay, so check out these youngsters that are out there and uh, support them. Excellent. Well, be safe and uh, watch out for that snow up there. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you for this. Good people. Have a good, have a good day. Stay strong. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.